Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, this is the third time that we've started this podcast, uh, so I hope this is the, the winner here. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast COVID-19 edition uh well, we it's occupational series. It's the occupational series. We're bringing it back. Oh, it's the occupational series. I love that. So we're talking to nurses today who have primarily been working with COVID-19 patients for the past four months. Um, we have we have a, a great list of, of guests today, and uh, we can get started can right I now. Say, can I, I say I, one I, little thing? Just one interesting yeah. thing. Um, yeah. I follow one of my worst exes ever on Instagram, and he is a big is. conspiracy theorist that um, oh, no, COVID nineteen doesn't exist. I'm just saying. Yeah, he was yeah. on a plane this week, and he documented that he wasn't wearing a mask, and they turned the plane around to get him off. No Fantastic. way! That's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, he is a horrible, what? horrible human. He's just a ho- genuine horrible person, and this just demonstrates it. There are so many people that that believe that COVID is a conspiracy, and I just, I can't even entertain the conversation. I'm like, talk to simply one healthcare worker, and they will tell you it is real. Did you see what happened this week? Um, There have been, because of these crazy people, they've they've had COVID parties, which means that people come over to somebody who has tested positive for COVID's house, (gasps) and they party with them just to prove that it's a hoax. (gasps) See how that goes. Yeah, so this week, somebody was on their deathbed after getting COVID (gasps) from a COVID party and says to the nurse, I think I made a big mistake and died. heartbreaking. This is insane. This is insane. I am, I'm actually very, um, excited isn't the word, but I'm really much looking forward to talking to all the healthcare workers that we're going to have on the podcast today, because I think all of us are sitting at home and we're sort of reading what's going on in these hospitals and how they're backed up and how COVID is affecting them on the front lines. But I, I feel like I haven't heard from a healthcare worker from their own mouth. Mm -hmm. I haven't actually heard from them. And so I think it'd be really interesting to hear about their experiences and stories of what's actually going on in the hospitals around our country right now and today. Totally. Great, yeah. All right, let's get Aaron, a nurse from my dad's hospital in Nova Fairfax in Virginia, on the line right now. Hi, Aaron. Hi, how are you all? Hello. We're good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are, are you at home now? Yes, fortunately, okay. after a long day. <laughs> wow. Thanks for taking the time. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you're so tired. So thank you for yeah, taking absolutely. the time to, to share with us. Aaron, we're going to be honest. We really don't know what to ask you guys, um, all you nurses and healthcare workers. We just kind of want you to tell stories about how it's been over the past four months, how your life has changed, how your like day to day has changed um, emotionally and just like schedule wise. So yeah. we can start there. Yeah. Um, so I'm maybe a little bit different too, because I am actually coming at it from a nurse manager perspective. So I've been um, in the ICU my entire nursing career. I've been a nurse for about nine years, um, always in high acuity, um, gravitated towards leadership really um, to make sure that nurses who I always see are sort of um, not a vulnerable group, but very much the frontline group, um, had a voice and have somebody who's always got their back. So in light of COVID, that's really never been more apparent. I think um, we were, and I'm coming from the Northern Virginia area, and we were this, we had the second COVID positive patient in the state of Virginia um, present to my unit first. Um, and sort of with that, it came with so many unknowns. Um, so I think for the first, I don't know, month when we were really starting to deal with COVID, um, 
it was 80 hour work weeks on call on the phone just reassurance making sure that you know the whole unit was safe that we and with information changing every second that communication was clear um, and also dealing with the sickest patients that I have ever seen in my nursing career and like I said I've never worked outside of the sickest part of the hospital. I've never worked outside of like dealing with the most acute patients. And this was so far from anything else that I've experienced. And that's, you know, including dealing with mass casualty events, including dealing with, um, you know, just extremely high acuity. It was that day after day after day and sort of just relentless. You get one person better. And we were fortunate to see some really amazing um, positive outcomes with a lot of our patients were able to get better, but there was just somebody ready to take that, the person who sort of graduated from the ICU, take their place. And we had to work just as hard to get them better too. So, um, it's been almost exactly four months to the day that we've sort of been living this way. Um, it's certainly kind of started to die down in terms of volume, but it's, it's been pretty, life-changing and I don't think that anybody on the unit um, could ever say that any of us thought we would ever be in this position Um, but fortunately because of a really strong team I think a lot of us are better off for it Um, but it's just you never know what to expect every day has been different. Can you sort of paint the picture for us because you said this is the worst you've seen in your entire career so can Mm -hmm. you paint the picture of us of like what are the day-to-day differences with, yeah. with so, COVID. So usually, usually you're sort of dealing with, you know, the unit and an ICU is always going to be the place where you have the most concentration of sicker patients. And then especially at a big hospital, you have multiple units that are dealing with lots of sick individuals, but you sort of still have a spectrum of how ill somebody is. You know, you don't have a whole unit full of um, people who are on a breathing machine and who are on multiple medications to support their blood pressure or to keep them comfortable enough um, to be on these types of machines and to sort of deal with the things that to get them better kind of requires it to be uncomfortable. You deal with maybe, you know, 50% of your population is relatively ill and then some are in sort of the recovery phase. This has been that every single one, every single bed, is occupied with the sickest patient that you could imagine. or the Otherwise, what we would have said, that's the sickest patient on the unit. That's going to be the one where the charge nurse, the uh, clinical technicians, the respiratory therapists, the physicians, that's, that's the person that's going to occupy most of their time. And you go from dealing with that being, you know, 2% of your patients and it's sort of, okay, now we get a break from that. That was really we could put all that energy and effort to being 100% of your patients every single day, all shift, every shift um, for months at a time. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So, When someone comes in with COVID like now, do you have a treatment plan that's like nailed down? Like, you know, exactly the steps to take since it was like all so new. Do you know exactly what to do now for the best results? Well, I think the treatment part is definitely something that's evolving. Um, we, 
I think the recognition is the biggest thing for us. We can say, oh, yep, those labs definitely, you know, of course, testing has gotten so much better because for a while, you know, it was really, well, they have to meet these criteria. We have to get um, sort of okay from the health department to get them tested. Now we can say, yeah, that CT looks like COVID. This um, everything they're presenting with looks like a COVID patient. So we're going to take these steps to get them well. Um, and then I think just in terms of, you know, everything has changed day to day with what the best recommendations are. Um, but we've learned and we've been setting the standards and everything across the board. So it's become a lot clearer and a lot better. And I think that you've seen people very much benefit from us getting better at treating it. Um, but there's still, it's so much unknown. So mm -hmm. we still don't know the best thing and something new could pop up tomorrow that's going to be the next best thing um, and sort of change the direction that we had been going. So, How mind-boggling is it that some people will be asymptomatic and then some people will truly be the sickest people you've ever seen? Yeah. Is there any and rhyme or reason to it's, that? It's, it, it's totally... And, the amazing thing is, and you know, we keep hearing, oh, well, maybe we don't have to worry. It only affects vulnerable populations. And that's truly not been our experience. It's mm -hmm. been the full spectrum. Somebody who is older or somebody who has a cancer diagnosis pre previous to um, contracting COVID. But it's also, uh, and I'm 30 years old, and I remember when we admitted one of the absolute sickest patients that I've ever seen, even with the patients, um, the other COVID patients. He was 30 years old, no other health issues. And it was just, it was scary because there's no rhyme or reason about why somebody gets it so bad. Um, and I think just working so closely to it, that's also intimidating because, you know, we all feel we're healthy and we're able environment, but what, you know, what potential, what, what, when could that be me? And it's sort of, it's really hard to sort of see it in front of your face and know that could be me because it has no predictability are you like telling your family to still like self-quarantine and stay inside because i know everyone's going back out there yeah. but since you've seen it you're like no really just wait a little bit longer yeah i i think that's that's key and like i watch a trend and and especially in the northern virginia area the trend line really has we've, we've done a good job of flattening um but it just seems too good to be true and it's sort of if you don't have to take the risk don't it's not worth it you know, enjoy other parts of life. I know everybody talks about gardening or crocheting or any of our <laughs> hobbies, but like just keep nurturing those things because it's just better yeah. um, than potentially exposing yourself because you just don't know. How scared are you going to work every day? Um, I don't, I, I think right now, and, and this is, I guess, the perspective of of feeling an obligation to my team that I don't want to be afraid to walk into it. I just, it's sort of, and I didn't sign, no, by no means that nobody signed up for a pandemic, but I do know that working in the ICU, this is sort of, but you definitely know every day can be, it can, you can walk into any kind of chaos, quite frankly. Um, but you definitely feel an obligation to treat the sickest patients every time. Um, and I think that, knowing that this is sort of a sense of purpose really prevents some of the fear that has, that at least at least for the first few weeks when it was so much was unknown and we were dealing with a small number, the fear has kind of been replaced with this is, this is we have to do this. We know what we're doing. We know how to um, serve these special patients um, as best as possible. So we have every obligation to keep doing it. They talk about the rapid decline, you know, how like, if you're going to show symptoms, once you start seeing them and you, you're like somebody who's worthy of going to the hospital, it just like goes so far yeah. down so fast. So, and you talk about them being the sickest people you've ever seen. I guess like, can you describe in detail like the symptoms that just seemed like beyond control once they're in the ICU? Yeah, I think, I think that it's just, um, what otherwise would be a normal, healthy person suddenly becoming just completely unable to breathe well, completely unable to keep oxygen saturations in their blood up. Um, and just then as soon as you do advance to needing um, like mechanical ventilation and being put on a breathing tube, um, 
it just is, it's high, high vent settings. So the settings on the ventilator are really high in order to give that person support. It's sort of these advanced therapies that like in a conventional flu patient may not happen as rapidly. Um, and then to try to de-escalate from those really high settings takes so much longer than some of the other patients that we're used to seeing. So it's it's not just rapid, but then the even if you are going to get better is much longer than um, what we're used to seeing with a lot of other mechanically ventilated patients. Erin, I want to assume that maybe some people listening don't necessarily understand how the treatment that we have in hospitals work exactly. So if I walked into a hospital and I have COVID, can you sort of walk us through like what happens? And when, when you say people are hooked up to a machine, like what is that? And is that just air because this is mainly pulmonary and like your lungs are collapsing? Like, can you sort of just give us a little more detail until what exactly is going on? So it usually, and I think the big thing that would catch people off guard is immediately you would be pulled away from, if you were brought in by a family member, pulled into isolation because we want to make sure that you're not contaminating the environment or those around you just because it has been such an easily transmissible disease. Um, So I think that's the thing that would catch you off guard immediately. You're sort of whisked away into pretty, pretty um, aggressive isolation. You know, people are trying to minimize contact with you. Um, And then a lot of work to see how, how are you breathing? Do we do a lot of blood work to check the oxygen saturation, the carbon dioxide in your blood? That's lots of um, blood draws, needle sticks, things like that. Um, And then hooked up to all kinds of machines and leads, uh, wires to look at your heart probes on your fingers to check your oxygen saturations, um, some sort of oxygen support, uh, hopefully not put into your uh, trachea, your lungs, um, but some sort of oxygen and respiratory support. Um, and then if you are uh, progressed to needing intubation and mechanical ventilation support, um, getting sedation, getting lots of pressure and oxygen added to your lungs to support your body getting enough oxygen to have your tissues perfused appropriately um, and enough to support just normal body function. Um, And then days and potentially weeks of being sort of stuck in that position with um, machines helping support you, lots of medications, lots of sedation, physical deconditioning. Um, So it's a really brutal even for those who are able to walk out of the hospital, and we've had many of those, many, many success stories, you're still looking at, you know, three, four, five, six weeks of being in a hospital, being isolated, being completely taken care of. Um, And that's assuming that you don't have other complications. Um, You know, that's really just your respiratory Mm -hmm. course. So, yeah. All right. Well, Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, I know thank it was you. a last minute guest spot, but we really, really appreciate you. Yeah. yeah and, that was, you know, we're, we're thinking about you and the whole We appreciate team it. <laughs> thank the and, and the communities, I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody um, who's just offered so much support. It's, it's been, that's been one of the inspirational things, you know, a lot of support from those around us, um, which I can't say enough about. Oh, good. Thank that you. Makes me feel good. Thank you, Erin. Right. Bye, Erin. Thank you. Take care. See ya. Bye. I thought it was so interesting that Erin mentioned that you are in a bed for, you know, like five weeks, even longer, barring no complications. I think people at home don't realize that you don't go you don't go into the hospital and then come out the next day. You're taking yeah. up a hospital bed for five plus weeks. So I think a lot of a lot of people are having like bed sores from it. You like get wow. infections. You get like worse things. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You get things from being that sed- sedentary. Like sed- any- sedentary? Sedentary. Like any, any physical activity is going to overexert your lungs and you won't be able to breathe. So you got to just sit. Um, that's very interesting. I'm still thinking about that guy from the party who said that last words thing, Ashley. That's insane. I don't know that those were truly his last words, but, but I'm sure but they those were, his were like they were one of the things that he said like the day he died. 
Wow. And I, I think it was like when he finally admitted, like he mm. may have finally admitted why, like how he got it. I don't know. Jeez. I was just thinking, yeah, there, unfortunately, there are a lot of people reluctant to wear a mask, which is just crazy to me, but mm-hmm. it's like, just wear a mask, but they don't realize that it's like, we need to literally help out the hospitals that are being overflowed. And so just knowing that it, you can be up into a, you can be in a bed for up to five weeks. It's like, you're taking up that hospital bed for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people are yeah. being admitted every day. Mm-hmm. Do you guys hear that sound? It is the sound of cereal, one of my favorite foods in the entire world. I mean, I think we can all agree that growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But when you grow up, sometimes you have to give it up because you realize that it's just full of sugar and junk and all the stuff that you really shouldn't be eating. I personally, I know I've shared with you guys um, in the past, but if you didn't know, I got a nutritionist. I have a lot of stomach sensitivities. And so sometimes I decide to go grain-free, which is definitely different than gluten-free. You can Google it, but I have a lot of inflammatory and bloating issues. And I love cereal. I miss eating cereal like while watching and binging a movie or a show that I'm really into. It just takes me back. It makes me feel like I'm a kid again. And like, who doesn't love cereal, right? Insert magic spoon. Magic spoon is one of the greatest inventions. It is a grain-free cereal. The boxes are so cute. The flavors are so good. It has zero grams of sugar per serving, three grams of net carbs, 11 grams of protein. This is like, it's, I can't even, like, I'm just going to go down the list. It's high protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, wheat-free. It's naturally flavored. It is totally delicious. And it's childlike cereal for grownups. I honestly don't know how else I can, like, pitch this to you guys. It is definitely worth trying because it's such an incredible treat. And I Magic Spoon's like, one of my favorite things to eat now. I especially love the blueberry flavor and I secretly think it's because I love space and I also love octopus and on the box it's like an astronaut riding an octopus I don't know I feel like it was very tailored towards me maybe they just know who I am um, but they have other flavors so their four flavors are cocoa fruity frosted blueberry I also love the cocoa because I mean let's be real isn't it so good to like just drink the milk that tastes like chocolate after you're done eating cereal it tastes so amazing it's honestly too good to be true so if you guys want to try it out, go to magicspoon.com slash get it to grab a variety pack and you can try it today and be sure to use our promo code get it at checkout so you get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash get it and use the code get it for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's get the uh, lovely Kay Fisher from Colorado on the phone now. Oh, hi. <laughs> She's so hi, funny. Kay. Hi, Kay. Kay's actually DM'd me before about Larry David, so I'm very excited <laughs> to talk to you. Fan. Oh, that's well, no, why I, it seemed like you knew her personally. Yeah, well, it was like I I'm... Accidentally, I accidentally DM'd Lauren, actually, and then... <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. And then literally showed Nazi. I was like, I think this was oh, for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, because your guys' voices used to sound the same to me, but they don't anymore. But they did. <laughs> there you go. Right. Um, Kay, can you hear us okay? Yes, I'm putting the headphones in now. Okay, cool. You are um, a nurse in Colorado, yes? <laughs> yes. And we're super stoked to talk to you because I know you have a lot of um, s- stories and insight to share. And you also have like a lot of happy stories to share. But we we're hoping you could sort of start out with... Um, sort of maybe like the dark sides of COVID that you've experienced through your job first? Okay. Well, for me, it was kind of, it kind of happened pretty extremely because I went on a ski trip to Steamboat with like six other nurses on like March 9th and we got back like the 13th. And that's like really the weekend or the week that it kind of picked up. And so um, we were all down there in Steamboat and people were texting us being like, we have a COVID, we have a COVID, we have a COVID. And we're all like, oh my gosh, but we weren't really like, you know, we were on vacation. So we get back and um, we get to work and my boss is like, because we all worked the day we got back because we had all taken all those days off. And my boss just kind of goes, you know, just so you guys know, this is a completely different hospital than you guys left on Sunday. And like, just, you know, it's a different place or whatever. 
And so at first, like, I mean, it was super scary um, just because there was so much unknown. But I think um, dark side wise, I mean, at the beginning, everybody was just so scared. I mean, I remember there was a patient family member that um, saw someone wearing a mask and they started yelling like, the hospital's got COVID, the hospital's got COVID, you know, and so it just was really hard to keep everybody calm at first. But then once it actually got going, I mean, I just felt like it just ramped up really quickly, kind of unexpectedly. Um, But we had a lot of elderly patients that were super confused. And, um, you know, one being my grandma, who's in a nursing home and, you know, she's 92. Like there's thoughts like, you know, for a while I was like, am I ever going to be able to see her again? You know what I mean? Because who knows? But, um, you know, at the hospital, I mean, we had, um, I'll never forget, we had a lady that was almost 100. And um, she came in and I just remember she was looking at me just saying, you know, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. And we hadn't, that was, I know, that was back whenever the test took like three days, but you kind of knew like her, she had come with from a nursing home that had exposure. And so, you know, it's really hard for them to keep control control it yeah and so you know it's kind of almost a death sentence whenever a nursing home gets it but yeah so that lady um you know just kind of wanted somebody to hold her hand and at the same time they're telling us like please like you know do your job but limit your exposure into the room because at this point you know we didn't know how big it was going to get in denver um you know we were like you know that all the new york city stuff was happening And so, you know, we were all scared ourselves. We would like, you know, limit how much we went in there. But then it's like, there'd be confused old people that were just sobbing because they couldn't have any of their families there. So that was probably like the worst part is no one all of a sudden can have anybody at the bedside. And Mm -hmm. I'm super scary if I come in and you don't know if, and you think I'm in your house, you know what I mean? Because like a lot of the times the people are so confused, it's really beneficial to have you know, family at the bedside. So I think that was probably just super sad because people were just crying because they just couldn't understand. I mean, when you're 95, how can you understand what's happening right now if you can't even remember Mm -hmm. what you had for breakfast? You know what I mean? Like it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. You also mentioned, do you think like emotionally, if any, if their family was allowed that they would (laughs) do better? Um, yeah. I mean, generally, just generally speaking, I think that family at the bedside is like extremely helpful like just because it helps like you know it just I don't know people just heal better when they have their loved ones I don't know how else to put it there's actually Kay I was gonna mention there's this book I'm reading now by Vivek H. Murthy who was the Uh 19th 19th Surgeon General of the United States and it's called Together and he talks about exactly that how we as you know, doctors and nurses have to be there for emotional support too. And that people do unfortunately like worse when they don't have a loved one there. Like Mm -hmm. people die of loneliness all the time. Anyways, you guys can check out the book. It's really interesting. But I thought it was interesting that you said that in the story that you wrote to us that you can't be there um, emotionally supporting these patients and that people are unfortunately getting sick and dying without their loved ones next to yeah, them. That must be a crazy yeah. thing to witness. Yeah. it. Yeah. It's that's honestly, that's got to be the saddest part of the whole thing is that um, there are people that have died alone. I mean, even at my hospital and I know there's, you know, and, you know, we try to be with people while they're at the end. Um, but, you know, I don't know, just, you know, some of these people are so old that it's to the point where their kids are so old that their kids are in the highest risk population. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, if you're in your 90s, you could have kids in your 70s and then they um, are putting themselves at a huge risk just to go say goodbye to their own mom. So it's just, um, you know... And a lot of the people chose to, and a lot of the people had too many, you know, comorbidities and can't, unfortunately, make that choice safely. So it's just, yeah, it was, yeah, there were tears during that time, for sure. I can't believe the amount of people that I see out and about without wearing masks. Like, it's just like the craziest thing, because it's so simple, and it's most likely not affecting your, like, state of being at all no so how frustrated do you get seeing people out there without masks 
I actually, I have a really, really, really hard time because I'm not an angry person. But um, to me, it's just so little to ask of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say, you know, like, oh, I have claustrophobia. You know, this person has like a disability. I get that. That's like maybe, you know, that's such a small portion of the population that if those people don't want to wear masks, that's fine. But the other 95% of us need to. But, um, or at I least in that, that case, make sure you're totally staying six feet away from people. Yeah, or just honestly, or maybe stay, stay home. at home. Yeah, yeah. stay but, home. Exactly, yeah, stay home. I, I actually kind of went off at a guy at a Seven Eleven this morning, which, like I said, I'm not an angry person. No, but good. I just um, he they have the plexiglass up right over the register, and I don't know what was going on with this guy, but everybody in Denver like. Um, it's very, they're very strict with the mask ordinance, which makes me happy to live here. But um, this guy was like arguing with the lady behind the plexiglass and he wasn't wearing a mask. And he actually went around the plexiglass and started talking to her. Uh -uh. Like, yeah. And so I just like, I gave him a dirty look. And then um, when he walked away, I just said like, you know, get a mask. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) but um, it's just like, you know, it's one thing not to wear a mask if you're gonna be in the gas station for two minutes. Like, First of all, just do it. But if you're not, don't go around the plexiglass and be arguing with somebody. Like, but yeah, it, yeah. it's it's very frustrating, and it just becomes such a political thing. And I just feel like so much of it is that people don't like being told what to do, and it's like mm-hmm. that's such a just to take- me a childish mindset. Like, get over it. Right. You know what I mean? That's like a preschooler like- saying like, "Oh, well, I don't want to do it because you told me to." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, take one day in the hospital and you'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll wear a yeah, mask, you know? Yeah, Just one day. Right. Yeah. Or maybe like a video, yeah. you know? They're yeah. fucking mask holes. Like, just put it on. And I, I honestly holes. can't get behind mm-hmm. these states that haven't made it mandatory to wear a mask. <laughs> Florida. Anyway, yeah. so basically what Lauren just said, like, can you paint the picture of what it's like at your hospital? Like, are there empty beds? Is there absolutely no room? Like, what's going on on the front lines? What are you so, seeing every day? So I live in Denver and Colorado in general is doing very well because of how we've handled it. Um, people are like, oh, well, it's because you guys have so much extra space. No, it's because of how we've handled it and we've handled it well. So we actually only currently were in like, we are not even, they, they say that we're probably about to peak, have a second, maybe mini peak. Um, but um, right now I, you know, we have one to two at most over the past, I would say, month. Previously, I mean, it was way higher back in, I think, I would say, I guess, like, May or probably April. April was probably our worst, but May might have been pretty close. But now, you know, but that's also, I think, when the weather gets worse, too, you know, and it's flu season, it's just easy for that stuff to travel. I wonder if the weather is going to make a difference because right now I feel like there's certain states are spiking and especially like outdoor states because they're just so used to outdoor socialization during the summer yeah, that yeah. maybe people will be more willing to just stay home when the weather gets a little cooler yeah and that's true too because i think um i think it was almost presented to some people as the fact that you know oh by the time of summer like you know things will be back to normal again and so when they weren't i think people had a really hard time but I think that in the winter, like you said, people just have such an easier time social distancing. I'm excited to talk to you guys about this next sponsor because a bunch of you have actually slid into my DMs, which I love, or text me personally. My text phone number is actually um, in my IG bio. But you guys have asked me about this sponsor numerous times. A lot of people are like, what is that sponsor again that helps me find a counselor or therapist? So I'm here to tell you guys it is called Better Help. And what better time to focus on mental health than right now? There's a lot going on in the world and you can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. And they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not self-help. It's actually professional counseling and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Also, a lot of us can't even physically do that right now, which is why I love BetterHelp because I feel like people need this now more than ever. They are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it really easy and free to change counselors if you want to. 
the biggest reason why I love it is it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available because let's be real, therapy is muy, muy expensive. The service is available for clients worldwide, and there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area anyway. So they're licensed professional counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, grief, self-esteem, anger, family conflicts, and anything that you share with them is confidential. So again, guys, it's convenient, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. That's insane. I want you guys to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash get it. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash get it. How are you doing, Kay? How's your mental health and what is your schedule and everyday like? How many hours of sleep are you getting? Like, have you been able to even be around people outside of work? Um. So... Currently, yes, just because um, we have so few patients that have COVID currently that, um, you know, it's kind of felt a little bit normal for probably the past three weeks. Um, But during it, I mean, it was just, um, it was a huge bummer solely because I was, I had just gone through a breakup. And so I had all these different trips scheduled, including I was going to see the Jonas Jonas Brothers in Vegas and I had pit tickets. Did we talk about that? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, honestly, who knows? Pro- I probably messaged you at some point about it. But, um, no, so I had, you know, pit tickets for that, and I was going to visit my parents, and, you know, I had all these things to kind of distract myself, and then all of a sudden you're kind of closed in. But the good thing for me is that, to be honest, I, I hardly have any friends that I don't work with just because I moved here, and those are just the people I clicked with right away. And so we've been able to... Um, we were able to hang out, you know what I mean? Like, cause we were working together, like, and they would, you know, try to be like, oh, social distance from each other. But like, when you're- It doesn't matter, you're uh, in the same environment, You're in the basically. same, yeah, and you're in the same room two feet apart, like helping somebody in the bathroom. So right, it just right. is kind of, but that was good. I don't think, I think for me, the fact that I still had a job that I, and just like a place to be three to four days a week for 12 hours was a good thing for me. Sometimes traumatic yeah. environments like this trigger bonding, you know, like 9-11 and the unity the country had, um, war. And this was kind of like almost some sort of like war uh, environment in the hospital. So did mm-hmm. you guys bond? Like how was the morale there? Oh, it was um, – yeah, I mean it was kind of interesting because we were all just sometimes excited to go to work because it was our only socialization and like – we kind of take turns on the COVID floor at times. So like there would be times where I would be at work, not on the COVID floor. Um, and that's, I mean, it's a lot more fun not to work on the COVID floor. Cause you can actually like, you know, kind of breathe and talk a little bit more, but I mean, there were so many, I don't know, like I love my coworkers before this, but I love them so much more afterwards. And when you're wearing all the gear and you forget eight things in the room and you know, you have people just, you just, we have what they're called runners and you just press the call light and they run stuff in like, you know, there's just a bunch of funny stuff that happens when you mess up your PPE. So we're very close. (laughs) Have any of your colleagues gotten COVID? Yes. Um, especially at the beginning. Um, it just happened so fast that like, um, we, I mean, truly no one knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we, we tried to figure out our PPE situation. And the biggest thing is it's hard to weed out like who goes to the clean floor and who goes to the COVID floor because some people exhibit really little symptoms. So they'd end up on the clean floor and then someone would be taking care of them without all the PPE. And then they would end up finding out that they were positive. So I had like, I'm trying to think of how many of my coworkers, I mean, at least five that I could think of right now got it. And most of them, and they all recovered fine. Yes. Um, some of them say, so a couple of them like said, like they were totally fine. I mean, they just felt like they had a really bad cold, but it was fine. There's, um, one girl that had asthma that I think just said that she still just feels short of breath whenever she's like walking up the stairs. Like, and this is like two months later, like she said, she's doing fine, but like she still uses her inhaler like way more often than she did before. So I do think it kind of takes a toll on those people. You, so you shared some um, like hopeful stories before 
um, in your email mm-hmm. to us. We want to know like about the people who healed well or like looked like they were on the brink and then they came back. So we actually, um, one of my friends that got COVID got it from the very first patient that had been at the hospital and she was just the sweetest old lady and she was super sick. And at the time, you know, no one could really figure out why, hence the COVID. Um, so she was in the ICU ventilated or intubated on the ventilator for a, like, I want to say at least like 25 days or like, wow. it was, it was close to like, you know, I couldn't tell you cause I, I don't work in the ICU, but she was on the ventilator for a very long time. And she was a patient of ours for, I think at least 41 days. Um, so she, um, came out of the ICU and was, you know, sit, not sick enough to have to be there. And, um, you know, her family, um, hadn't gotten to see her hence the no visitors. And so they, um, really, really wanted to see her and they're calling us and we're like, I'm so sorry. Like we want you to visit her just as bad as you do, but it just can't happen. And they're like, well, roll her out into the circle drive and we're, we'll drive by or whatever. So we're like, okay, we can do that. So we, so they roll her down to the circle drive and, um, they come by and there's like nine cars, which again, they just, you know, it's like, that's a little more than just driving by. Um, and they, they had, yes. Yeah. They had balloons. They were honking. Like everybody in the family, it was like a, it was a bigger family and they were all, um, they were all crying and there were so many of them and, you know, we're crying, the patient's crying. Like it was just like stuff like that was cool. And every time that, um, someone got out of a, you know, because a lot of these people truly like were shocking, like that ended up being okay. And it was actually pretty cool. Oh yeah. She's doing great. Oh, she She made it. She was 25 days on a ventilator and really old. And she yes, made but it? I want to, I want to, yes. Oh, she was super old. I want to clarify though. I'm not sure about the 25 days, but she was on a ventilator for a long time. Okay, I just don't want, so. I don't want, there's too many people on the internet that are going to be like, that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't work in the yeah. ICU. I work on the floor. I'm not trained in vents, but, um, it was a long time, but then, um, yeah, there were just so many people. Yeah. So that lady made it and that lady was spicy. Like she was hilarious. Aww. So like, she was like, um, just, you know, she was, um, she was adorable. And then we had a, um, just a lot of older people who just, you know, clinically were not supposed to do that well. And they ended up kind of beating the odds. And so the whole staff, um, will go and like make a, like, I don't know, like a football game where the football players run through like a spirit line or whatever. And, um, they're wheeling out or they're a lot of them go out on a stretcher because they're going to like a rehab and they're just like, the patients themselves are sobbing because they're like, oh my God, you guys didn't have to do this. And we're like, of course we have to do this. This was nuts. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, <laughs> this was crazy. Yeah, but, but we had a lot of, it was nice because there were just a lot of like, you know, patient families that we got to know that couldn't visit. But like, once we got to like wheel them out to the car or whatever, it was just like, we felt like we knew them anyways because we had been talking to them on the phone for, you know, however long. So it was kind of like, it was, it was the time where like, I at least appreciated because I feel like we were able to like, you know, I was able, like, we were all able to help at a really hard time with like trying to, you know, support people. And so when you finally get to reunite them with their families and they get to go home, it's just like, there's, yeah, you can't not cry. I mean, I get, I get chills every single time that they wheel somebody out because I, it's just like, Aww. yeah, sometimes I'm like, I can't even go down there because it's just too much. It's like the never ending tear sort of thing. Yeah. I get it. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Even to hear you get emotional, Kay, like it must, I, I hope you are so proud and you feel so rewarded because like, I can't even thank you enough or we can't even thank you enough on behalf of like what you guys are doing and facing every day that we have no idea what it's like or what's even happening. And the fact that people are like, you guys are throwing parades and acting as family members, like for strangers is so important to the well-being and morale of people living and surviving. And it's just like, it's really, it's really honorable. 
And, well, thank you. Yeah. And we can't yeah. thank you enough for coming to like share those stories. Oh, yeah. Us. No, I'm so excited you guys had me. I was like, I got to jump on that. I don't work tomorrow. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. This was seriously, it was nice to have a COVID podcast where I got to smile for a few minutes. Oh, good. Yeah. No, there's, there's, I mean, there's hopeful things too. We get, I see the hospital get better every single day with like our policies and procedures, like less and less staff get sick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, things will eventually be okay. We just have to do the right thing in the meantime. And, you know, we have to make people that aren't willing to do that, do that. So before we let you go, is there yeah. one thing that you sort of want to say to all the listeners, like as someone that is working on the front lines, is there something you want people to know or just say? Um, well, first of all, obviously wear a mask. I mean, that's just the obvious thing to say, but also just like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what, I don't know. There's so many things about this that are just so like frustrating. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe stop trying to make this into a political thing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Make this a being a good human thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a political thing. I mean, unless we make it one, it's people are dying. It's sad. You know, people are recovering too, but that doesn't mean it's not a thing. So that would be, Yeah. yeah. I just don't think, I don't know. Not good. People Amen. just, yeah. So that's a good it. ending note. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. Yes, Kay. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? <laughs> Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Lauren Naz, I want to jump off what she was just saying and talk about my experience at, um, in Venice Beach this weekend. Okay. Um, Jared and I were going to go and we went and we were going to go take a little beach walk with Nick and, um, you know, masks on and all that stuff. Right. And it was the most outrageous thing I've ever seen in my life. Kids, I, I, I have to blame like kids at this point because most people that weren't wearing a mask were like in their late teens, 20s. And um, they were just like, everybody was running around in these big groups of people without wearing masks, not even being like aware of social distancing would like pass us right there on the street um, with no mask. And it was just, it was outrageous. You weren't like directly on the beach. You were like by the shops and stuff. No, no, no. We were making our way to the beach. And then once we made it to the beach, same scenario, like no one had them on walking on the sidewalk, walking their dogs. I would say, okay, fine. When I say no one had them on, I'm going to say a good 30 to 40% of people weren't wearing masks. And I'm like, okay, well, this is why you like California is spiking because I don't see that in West Hollywood. It's definitely a cultural, not to make it political, but I think in a way it can, it is a cultural thing. Um, it's just like I think so people probably just think the, the sea air yeah. and being by like the breeze is enough yeah. to cure. But yeah, I've been but so I've been selfish. everywhere around LA. Like I was driving to get gas even around Beverly Hills. I don't know if it's tourists or locals. People eating outside, even though I think restaurants were supposed to close down today here in LA. Like 
people everywhere I've been there, I could take a picture of one person with no mask on. And I just think it's so inconsiderate and it's such a like inconsequential thing to do. It's like, just wear it. I, well, I eating, that's my biggest, out- I don't get it right now. Yeah. wear it you can save someone's life it's i mean i'll i said it like numerous times but it is so selfish it, it means like i am prioritizing my comfort in not wearing a mask than like my not only my safety but the safety of everybody else around me it yeah, says like all i care about to, is me to prevent it from giving it to someone yeah. rather than receiving it from someone yeah, yeah. You know? I have a friend so. who um, started going to the gym Equinox when it opened here, which I never thought gym should have ever opened I just in LA. Think that's but, bizarre. But um, you know, they had a bunch of procedures like you have to wear masks on or whatever. And of course, my friend was wearing a mask, and he said that there were people around him not wearing a mask, and he was just like, "All right, I'm not coming back to the gym." Then it's like yeah. even when we're given privileges again, like even when you're like allowed to play again, I'll just say like if you're a little kid, people still aren't following the rules. So it's like, yeah, of course we were gonna shut down again. Yeah, yeah. and with the beaches, they say like it's open for like working out like taking walks and stuff like that but then there are just like these huge groups of people just hanging out without masks like walking right by someone um you know and exerting so much to be graphic spit like there are people that are like running and like huffing and puffing (sighs) as they pass by you without a mask it's crazy anyway let's get our our last caller on yes all right, so we're going to have Blythe. She is a occupational therapist from Mount Sinai Hospital in Blythe. NYC. Wait, you think it's Blythe? 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 I love this name. It's Blythe so or cool. Blythe? Blythe. Yeah, it's Blythe. How do you Blythe. know? Because I had a friend in college named Blythe. All right, we'll, we'll figure it oh, out. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what... Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> we'll see how it's been um, with her. She, I think, works with patients after they like have recovered a bit so let's get on the line cool i'm also interested to talk to blythe while we wait to get her on the line um just to hear a little bit about the new york experience right Um, i know a lot of the major six no i'm not going to say all the major cities but most or some major cities are being hit hard like la and new york so i just sort of want to ask her what it's really like there does anyone else become a complete hypochondriac or a psycho whenever they talk about COVID? Um, start thinking about their breathing and then freak yourself out and think you cannot breathe? 100%. <laughs> okay, because I'm doing that right now. I'm like, am I? <gasps> okay. I think, I mean, our generation and, and people in general have so much anxiety and it comes out in different forms. And so I, I really, my heart hurts for people and I have friends that... um you know, that that are germaphobes or whatever you want to call it. I don't know, hypochondriac or... Yeah. I also have friends of autoimmune diseases. Like, it's it's really scary for everyone, but, like, especially for those people, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 It's going to be crazy when, like, the common cold or flu comes around, like, in the winter again, and you're like do I have COVID or I have normal flu? And you're just going to have to wait and get tested and find out. I know. I'm not going to lie. Every time I sneeze, I'm like, oh no. But then, but then there's just so much misinformation that then there's people that are like, well, sneezing isn't technically one of them. It's like coughing and all this. And I'm like, I don't know. It could be anything. I feel like there's so much we still don't know. I agree. Yeah. But I will say like, I've gotten like, sometimes you'll wake up with like a drier, sore throat. Right. And then you kind of like scratch your throat with your tongue. And then yeah. it makes it even worse. And you're like, oh, God. I was like, I, you're like, oh, shit. I had, yeah. Definitely. 100%. But you're probably just like snoring throughout the night. Well, I don't snore. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I am sure. Jared and I both don't snore. Like, I don't know why everybody thinks that like one of us must. I don't think you start. Lauren, why do you think she snores? I don't know. If you wake up with a scratchy throat, you maybe. No, I just like, I think it's breathing deep and it just you're not swallowing. You know, you're not having water and all that. Okay. Okay, I think Blythe, Blythe is on the phone now. Yes, we are. Um, she's coming through. There she is. I can't wait to find out how you pronounce her name. Hi. Oh, hi. Hello. So exciting. Hey. We're so excited for to have being you. Here. How do you say your name? It's Blythe. Oh, Lauren okay. was right. You were right, Lauren. I got it. 
Lauren got it. The other Blythe I knew had red hair too. Oh, well, is it like is it like an Irish thing? Um, I think it's an English name. I'm not sure. An English name. Nice. Okay. Well, there we go. Blythe, oh, right. well, yeah. we are so excited to have you on. You are an occupational therapist from New York. Um, and Ashley was just sharing with us that you deal with a lot of people sort of in the recovery stage. So can you just kind of tell us like what you do on a day-to-day as it relates to COVID-19? Sure. Um, so normally I work in acute rehab and with spinal cord injury patients. Um, so at the beginning of covid Um, When this all hit New York City, I actually um, got tested and was positive with COVID. You were? Um, uh, Yes. And And I was your boyfriend too? Yes. My boyfriend at the time. We're now engaged, actually. (gasps) Yay! Because we made it through coronavirus, I guess. But um, (laughs) so I had to go home from work and it took nine days to get my results. And then once I got my results um, and it was positive, at that point, I was cleared to go back to work and because it had been so long since I'd been sick. And when I got back to work, they actually sent me to the other side of the hospital. And we were working like in the ICUs and with the patients um, at the beginning stages. Um, So they were just starting to come off vents um, and they needed to work on like their endurance. And it turns out they had all these other health issues that you wouldn't have even thought of, um, such as paralysis, um, and brachial plexus injuries. Oh, wow. And, um, all these different things going on. Um, and then we finally got to go back to rehab and it was cool to see these patients that I had evaluated in the ICUs and now they're like walking. Um, so for OT specifically, we really focus on, um, you know, their functional skills and what we call the activities of daily living. So the things that they have to do every day, like getting dressed, brushing your teeth, um, wow. walk, getting in and out of the bathtub, on and off the toilet, all those sorts of things. So you don't even think about that. But um, these patients were so deconditioned that like, they weren't able to do any of those things. Wow. So Because they're so used to laying in bed for like a month. Is that right? Absolutely. And a lot of these patients actually had these horrible bed sores um, just from like being in bed. And like not a lot of people were checking on them because they didn't want so many people in and out mm-hmm. of the rooms. Um, so they had like these basically big holes in their butt, you know, from just laying in bed in, on their like bony areas, like their butts and their heels, um, hmm. all that. So they were. Can you feel a- like a bed sore, like as a patient? Oh yeah. Do you know what's yeah. happening? Absolutely. Like severe. Oh okay. They're like big and- bruises, right? Oh. Like they had. Well, they're not really bruises, but that's what they look like. Yeah, like if you can imagine, um, if you're sitting for a long car ride in your, in your, um, car and you start to get a little uncomfortable and you move about, um, you might notice little red spots on your body, but if you're just stuck in bed all day and not moving, you might not notice that. And so those little red spots from being the bony areas pushing on things for so long, they open up into wounds across the body. Am I the only person that didn't know what a bed sore was? I didn't know that that was a thing. Really? Crazy. Yeah. Am I? I get, maybe I am the only person. That's insane. Yeah. So what are you, what are you, like, the people that you're treating after COVID, like, are you then scared of getting it again because you're constantly, like, around them? Um, luckily, um, now that we're back in rehab, the patients have to get two negative tests before um, they come to us. But when I was working, like, in the rooms with the positive COVID patients, I, I really did. I know this is not, like, the right way to think, but I felt, like, a little bit more calm because I had already had coronavirus. So I, I felt like my chances were less. Um, but we, we luckily had all the equipment we needed, like face masks and um, gowns and everything like that. So I, I felt really supported with um, by the hospital and everything. Okay. So, um, when you had COVID, tell us about your symptoms. Was it very mild? Did it feel like a cold for you? Um, so for me, yeah. So I was at work for like a week and this was the beginning and I had like a bit of a cough, but I kept checking my temperature like obsessively and I never got a fever once. And that's why I kept telling myself I didn't have it. Um, but then by the end of the week I had a sore throat and I had a horrible headache. And that's when I was like, "I, I need to leave work. Um, Mm. so overall it was pretty mild. Um, but my, my fiance got it definitely much worse than I did. And like for, for weeks to come, I couldn't like go on a walk longer than just to like the bathroom. Um, but I definitely lost my sense of smell and taste and that sort of thing as well. Um, Like I'm so so, like, do we think temperature checks just aren't 
like if you didn't even have a fever, it's like, what do you think of temperature checks? Yeah. And that's, that's like one of the things that it's really like getting to me with like all these stores reopening um, is that it's great that they're ta- checking the temperatures and everything, but it's really not the only thing and it's not enough. Yeah. Like maybe you have it in your first couple of days and you don't have a temperature yet. Yeah. But you can still spread it. Correct. Yep. I never had a fever once to follow up. So <sighs> I think that it's a little confusing because people, I'm sorry. I no, have I'm a sorry. Question. I have a direct follow-up question. <laughs> what is the direct okay, follow-up I wanted then? to know, most people thought that you got it and you would never have to get it again. That was oh, my question. Okay, <laughs> but now we're discovering that people are getting it for a second time. Yeah, they have oh, yes. no idea if you can get it again or not. So I'm still taking all the precautions, wearing masks, cleaning my hands obsessively, all of that. Okay. Because it's like a virus, so you think that you get it. You fight it off. You get that strand, yeah. but you get another strand of it. I don't really know how it works. But luckily, <laughs> like being a hospital worker, they, they have all these research studies going on, and they constantly are email, emailing us to join the hospital the studies. So I've been st- joining like every study possible like to get um, the antibody testing and everything. So Can you smell now? Yes, now I can. Wow. How long did that take to get back? Mm. Um, definitely a few weeks. It's funny. Like at first I didn't, with all the other symptoms going on, like coughing and everything, I didn't even, um, notice the loss of smell until honestly my, my dog farted and my fiance was like, ew, do you smell that? I was like, no, I don't smell anything. So then for like weeks following, I kept like opening the white vinegar and like shoving it in his face. I was like, can you smell it? Like I can't smell it. And so until like kind of smell everything, if it was coming back, but. The only time you wish you could smell a fart, you know? This is insightful because so many people, I and I don't want to target people our age, but people our age are like, whatever, we're all going to get it. We're all going to get it. We'll be fine. Nothing's going to... And it's like, no, I don't fucking want it. Like, I don't care if... First of all, you could still die. Like we had someone on saying that a 30-year-old person like was infected and was severely sick no oh, other yeah. health issues. So like one, you're wrong Two, It's like, I don't want it. It sounds miserable. Like it was super miserable. Like even like not as miserable for me to have it, but miserable to deal with him having it and then me having to take care of him. But on mm. top of that, um, we had tons of 20 and 30 year old patients who had no previous health conditions. So I definitely yeah. was constantly spreading the news to my friends that like, just because your 20s and 30s doesn't mean you can't, like these patients were on vents and everything. Can you talk about the culture of being in New York at that time? Because like, it was just literally thought of as like kind of like a ground zero. Yeah, it was pretty scary. So um, like all, while all this was happening, we actually moved out of the city into the suburbs. Um, so I've been driving to the city every single day for work, um, wow. which at the beginning was great because we were able to get free parking um, and the traffic wasn't bad, but it's starting to increase. But, you know, walking out of work and walking to my cars, like it was crazy. It was like desolate around, um, not a lot of people. And I felt like really thankful to be able to move to the suburbs where there's more room to walk around and, you know, mm-hmm. feel safe. Wow. All right. It's insane. What is New York like now, Blythe? Um, now it's pretty cool. They are starting to, um, open up like, like where the parking spots would be. There, um, is tables set out there, like on either side of the, um, sidewalks and people are definitely out and about. Some corners are busier than others. Like people getting to go drinks and all that sort of stuff. Is the subway system open right now? Um, yes, it is. I don't think it's at full, like, um, like as, as often as usual, but the subways are open and they're, they're supposedly starting to clean them um, more often than they did previously, which it sounds crazy because I think they they said they were cleaning them like once a day or twice a day or something. And it was crazy to think that they weren't previously doing that anyways. That's so true. It's like, it's so, yeah, thank God. Maybe that's one good thing that'll come out of this. Maybe they'll continue. Did you see, did you see any spikes with like all the protests happening there or were people like pretty good with wearing masks at the protests? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure. It, you know, it's whatever you see on the news. But I, I think, yeah, I think people are generally safe. I um, have noticed, I, I, I don't know if it's because of COVID, I guess. But just in the past two weeks, I saw, 
I experienced firsthand that my dog couldn't be taken at the emergency hospital for like five hours. That's because like they're kind of um, just like the way that they're doing things is just like altered, you know, like they come to your car, um, the people wait outside, like they take the dog in, they put them in, like whatever. It was a five hour wait for an emergency vet. And then um, I saw another friend, she went to urgent care and there was a line outside the door and they told her that it would take two and a half hours to see her. So how long, if you go to the emergency room with COVID symptoms, is it until they, they take you? Like, is this something like we have to be scared about, like wait times? Um, that's pretty crazy. I don't really know because I don't normally, I don't work yeah, in the emergency. Yeah, I know it's not. A, it's a question I probably should have asked the nurses before you, but I was just wondering if you knew anything. Okay. <laughs> I, when I originally went to go get testing, I went through Mount Sinai's um, employee health mm-hmm. um, and they sent me to this weird place that was like not the hospital, but it was like one of their, um, their doctor's offices. And I got to, I was standing outside the door and cause I couldn't go in and I'm really nervous cause I'm, I'm scared of, cause it's when this is all starting and I'm scared that I'm going to be positive. And so I start calling the numbers, but it's a Saturday and every number I call, it's just sending me to like a voicemail or to like an automated message. And so I'm waiting there for about a half hour and then someone else shows up. It felt like it was like a drug deal and we're all just standing there with our masks and I don't want to be around other people who are potentially infected. And then finally someone comes out like a side door, like in all their PPE and they walk up to me like, oh, hi, are you here for testing? I was like, yes. And then they like walked me up the stairs and they were like, don't touch anything. Follow me, take this, do that. And it was very nerve wracking. The whole thing was like 45 minutes. I was so anxious the whole time, Um, but they had like a whole process for it but again this was back in march so blight sounds like the end of the world did you do the nose swab or the mouth because i in la i've gotten tested um and i did the mouth one but i heard that the nose one is miserable and that it's more effective less false false negative um i did it the first time when i was positive and then like a few months later, I, I coughed one time and I got super anxious. So I went back to get tested again, <laughs> yeah. um, which, which I feel very lucky that I was able to be. But yeah, it was the nose. How, oh, how does it I work? Can you describe it for everyone listening? Like how the nose swab works? Like how do you not it's sneeze? Like, yeah, it's like the long um, Q-tip and they basically just kind of like, I like just squeezed my fist so hard so that I didn't like move or punch them in the face and they just stick it all the way up. And the second time I went, they stuck it in both nostrils oh, and then wow. they kind of swirl it around and take it out. But how wow. do you not sneeze? I don't think it's a sneeze matter. It's a matter of like feeling like your brain's being penetrated. Uh, I don't know. I, well, Cause if I sneeze, right, well, they sneeze with a thing in there, then you're like, it feels like death. Like, are you going to die? Okay. Right? Like, okay. Have you ever gone for a strep throat test? Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, it's like that, but up your nose. Yeah, that way makes worse. that's a perfect way of Seems describing worse. it. All right. Well, Blythe, bleat. Ble- wait, Blythe. Ble- why do I have Blythe. such a problem saying your name? <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, it- I'm glad that you were a young person and you got it, and you're fine, and it was just like a cold and. Thank you for all of your expertise. But that you also explained how it affected your fiance differently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Thanks, girl. Thanks, Blake. Bye. Thank you. Stay safe. I feel like people are going to think maybe that, like, oh, this podcast should have come out four months ago. But guess what? Shit's still happening. That's a good point. I remember yes. that. And yeah. plus, we were trying, I think, to distract people and like give them a laugh a couple months ago. But now, mm-hmm. with so many people, like we're reminding people, what? don't laugh. Now we're no. reminding people to wear a mask. That this thing isn't going yeah. anywhere anytime soon. All right, yeah, guys. Don't well, don't be a mask hole. <laughs> mask hole. It's really cute. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, wear your mask, and we love you. Bye. 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 I don't get it. Podcast.